every family is full of darkness. I mean, there's these dark secrets in every family. I mean, I don't know a single person who doesn't have a deep, dark family secret and sort of where that secret is or where that darkness is in the family is varied. Some people never bring light to those things and people will go to their graves sort of holding on to those family dark secrets. Um, but other times they get exposed and this is a time when mine happened to get exposed and um, and I can tell you that it is so much better on the side of things and sometimes it's not up to you but when it is up to you and you can be the one to drag the dark stories into the light, you're going to be um, under a lot of pressure and it's going to be hard and there's going to be a lot of people in your family who are going to say, please don't do this and they're going to fight you and resist you and they're going to feel like you're betraying them. Um, but if you can get through all that <laughs> to the other side and actually do it, it's um, it's enormously wonderful to have light um, where there was once darkness in a family. Welcome to Fresh Cuts, a podcast brought to you by Funhouse Magazine. In this episode, we're letting author Molly Brodak do the talking. She tells us how she managed to write a memoir about the extraordinary events in her childhood, which all began in a very ordinary setting. I was with my mom. We had come home from a camping trip, so we we were just totally unprepared um, for this change in our lives. And we had gotten the news on the phone from my grandparents, who had been taking care of my sister, who had lived with him during the robberies. And um, so after we got the phone calls and we were getting ready to go pick up my sister to take care of her, uh, we sat down for a minute to just kind of collect our thoughts and we turned on the news and I saw my dad's face on the evening news and I remember the image so clearly. There was a photo of him right over the newscaster's shoulder and it it looked like he was, it was the most surreal thing you've ever seen to see a picture of your dad sort of hanging there in that space where you normally see you know, um, statesmen and criminals and important events of the, you know, day or whatever. So, yeah, it was terrifying. But at the same time, it made a lot of sense. My dad um, had a history of being something of a con man, and um, he had a kind of a mysterious life. We didn't always know what he was up to. So, that moment in the book, I described it as he was pinned down for the first time ever. And I really felt that, that he, um, he was clarified to me in a certain way and that it was undeniable. And that was really refreshing. In a sense, it was almost a relief. When you're living with someone who, who lies to you all the time, it's great to get some some concrete news. My mom, she, you know, she she knew a lot more about him than I did because she lived with him longer than I did and she came away from her experiences with him saying, "Yes, definitively, he is a sociopath. He has no capacity to empathize and he's only 
um, he only knows how to get along with people by just sort of taking advantage of them and taking what he needs. And, um, but being his child, which I think is a position that you are in as a human where you get to see maybe hopefully the best of someone because you are so deeply programmed to love your own children just on a biological level that um, I feel like I saw in him um, a different person than what my mom saw. For me, it made things less complicated. And I will say that I feel guilty about saying that. And and my, my role in the family um, was much simpler than my sister's, for example, who was older than me and she lived with him and had a close relationship with him. So him being in prison was hard for her and it made her life really tense in certain ways um because you still try to exercise control over her from a distance um but for me he was just like gone from my life (laughs) and um and it was it was good for me i felt stable and i felt um like i could be myself and i felt comfortable so yeah it did make my life easier i have to admit that in a certain part of my soul, I feel like he wants to be in prison because it's a much more simple life. And um, I I don't know. That's my conjecture. Um, I, I think that because of the way that my dad, um, you know, he robbed banks in the early 90s. He did his time. He came out and then he robbed banks again. And that part of that part of his story is where I really have to stop and wonder if he maybe wanted to go back to prison to sort of remove the trouble of living and the trouble of having a gambling addiction and just be sort of saved by being in that simple repetitive life of living in prison. Um, I don't know that that is something I, I just bet you anything he would not admit to, but it might be something subconscious, you know he's definitely not tortured by being there. Um, It's a simple um, life where people are sort of taking care of you and your, the range of possibility is, is shrunk down to this very small little world, very little, um, you know, realm of possibilities and of activities. And so he seemed comfortable. I don't want to say he seemed happy in prison, but he seemed comfortable and, um he didn't seem embarrassed to be there you know that was one thing i thought about was like you know i could imagine if i was in prison i would just i wouldn't want someone to see me in that state you know i might for a moment like feel embarrassed or something of of being there but he was just like so casual and calm and (laughs) um, Mm. maybe that's all a great, you know, mask. Sometimes it seems to me like we give people too much credit in being able to explain themselves. And we ask a lot from people to tell us why, you know, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And um, I just think a lot of times we, we are not, even the most articulate people are not always able to articulate their deep reasons and their deep motivations, let alone, you know, my dad who never went to college and, you know, has, has very little 
articulatory powers <laughs> in terms of his inner states. So, um, so I don't know. And I think that his reasons that he gives for why he decided to rob, rob banks, um, are generally kind of just BS, you know, I think that they're just stories. And I think that he tells people what they're looking for. And to me, that's different from the truth. I always knew I would write this story someday. I think that I had put it off for a long time <laughs> because I didn't feel like I was a good enough writer to do it. And I felt um, intimidated by prose. Um, being a poet, it just seemed like so much work, you know, <laughs> and mm. I was really put off by the form. Um, but I finally sat down to write it because I had a fellowship at Emory University here in Atlanta and I had time. I finally had time where I could really truly sit down and write prose and just sort of focus for, you know, weeks and weeks on end. Um, and I, I don't know that I would have been able to get to that point if I had just been, you know, working a full-time job and trying to carry on like I had been before. Um, so part of it was just timing, you know, um, I had the window of opportunity and I took it. Um, but you know, um, when you, when you have this interesting life story, I think you always grow up hearing people tell you, oh, you should write about that. And, and it becomes something that feels like a burden almost, you know, and I feel, I just feel a lot better now that it's out. And, um, I hope that it, I hope that it helps other people. I had read a lot of memoirs and I had seen that, you know, the typical move is to just sort of, you know, glorify your life a little and, and set yourself as the hero of your own story and talk about obstacles that you've overcome. Um, and, and, you know, like a typical novel would or, you know, a typical hero story. And, so I wanted to really work against that when I wrote this memoir. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't ever setting myself up as the hero of my own life because I don't really believe that. And I think that that is in some ways a damaging way to think about um, your life in relation to other people around you. So, um, so yeah, I started off on that, on that note of, you know, um, look at, me I'm not perfect either and you know like I, I I just wanted it to be a kind of uh a welcoming like hand out to the reader to say like I'm I'm flawed and vulnerable and I'm going to tell you the story about my dad who's extremely flawed and vulnerable and um maybe as a way to uh, encourage readers to reserve judgment you know we are all very complex people and you know, good or bad, I don't know. You know, I just don't. I mean, did did he make terrible choices? Did he hurt us? Yeah, absolutely. So that enough would be, um, that would be enough for most people to just say, well, there you go. He's a bad person. He hurt his family. You know, what else is there? Um, but, you know, I guess I leave it, I, I leave it open because um, I think everybody sort of deserves, um, you know, some acknowledgement of their, of their depth and of their complexity.
Bandit, a daughter's memoir by Molly Brodak, is available to buy now.